You're listening to Trek FM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. There was a little bar in Mill Valley where all the Starfleet trainees used to go. The 602 Club. You know it. <laughs> I was there more times than I can remember. Welcome, everybody, to the 602 Club, Trek FM's General Geek Show. I am the host here, Matthew Rushing, and I'm very excited to be here, as I always am. I mean, it's just a great place to be. Ruby has the place nicely set up. You know, she serves the best drinks, and we always get to talk about the most fun things. And so, um, I, I can't do this alone this week. We're going to be talking about Spider-Man Homecoming, and so I uh, was able to recruit a few gentlemen who wanted to watch it with me and talk about it. Uh, yes, one of those gentlemen, the one and the only, Daniel Prude. Daniel, it's great to have you back. It's been a while. It has, it has, and it's super exciting to get to do the Marvel movie that I never thought would actually be in the Marvel Universe, so that's... Uh pretty awesome. Yeah, it is very true. I it's I think a lot of people were just excited for the fact that Sony fessed up. We can't handle Spider-Man for some reason. Uh we can't figure out how to do him. So, here Marvel, take it. Show us how it's uh, at least please please show us how it's done, you know. Uh, <laughs> and we can and it, only we can only hope that Fox sees the light at this point and says, "Okay, take Fantastic <laughs> 4 back and uh and I mean, you know, uh, yeah, their Fantastic Four record is dismal, uh, especially that that last travesty uh, that happened. And we actually talked about it on this this podcast. So um, you can go back and and if I was a good podcaster, I'd know the number, but I don't. But it's back there. um, And and it's it's yeah. Uh, And uh, back after a while, it's it's been a while, Bruce. I think maybe last time you were on, we were talking some Star Wars, but it's good to have you on to talk some superhero. Yeah, Ruby has kicked me out. She told me I couldn't come back for a while because I did something like I shouldn't have been doing from having too many drinks. Were you writing on the bathroom walls again? Well, I... Is that you? Yeah, well... I had to write down a phone number and I didn't know where to put it because I had it on a piece of like oh, a I napkin, right. but then I wiped my mm-hmm. mouth with it and smeared it and I couldn't remember the number and I had to write it on the wall and I called this girl and then I found out it was really my wife setting me up and I got in trouble with her. It was just really bad. Oof. That's wow. A it was nice. really bad. Goodness. I'm waiting for Marvel so I, Studios. I guess you haven't been home in a while I either. haven't. I haven't. <laughs> I'm waiting for Marvel Studios to save me like they saved Sony. Oh, well, we'll see. 
Well, that that's a great question. Did they save Sony? Did did it happen? That's that's the question uh, that we'll answer throughout this podcast, I believe. Uh, but before we do that, you know, make sure you check us out everywhere. Uh, you can find all of the shows here we do on Trek FM on Apple Podcasts. We're a feature provider there on iTunes. Uh, while you're there, give us a star rating and review for the 602 Club. That really does. It, it really does. It helps the show. It helps us grow. It helps more people find us. Really appreciate it. We've had incredible numbers the last uh, few months, and I think part of that's just been people sharing the show, talking about it, writing reviews. So go over there, start rating and review. And if you do, whatever it is, we'll talk about it on the show. We'll read it on the show, and thank you for your opinion. And, um... You can find us on Twitter at Trek FM. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Trek FM. Uh, you can also go to our listeners-only discussion group on Facebook. Uh, that's called the Babel Conference. couple ways to get there. If you're on our website at trek.fm, you can hit discussion on any of the menu bars. Or you can be on Facebook. Just type Babel into the search field, and it'll bring you right there. So, uh, And last but not least, if, you, if you're wanting to send us maybe an email, Go to trek.fm slash contact, choose the show, choose the 602 Club, and that'll come to me and the hosts that week, and we'll be able to answer your question or uh, be able to talk with you further about the subject that we had. So, guys, as we mentioned, Marvel got a hold of Spider-Man. Uh, you know, Sony had two different iterations of Spider-Man in 15 years, uh, starting way back in 2002 with Sam Raimi, and then, of course, we had Mark Webb's version with Andrew Garfield uh, recently, and Spider-Man, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 didn't do what they wanted, and uh, they turned to Marvel. And and basically, it was like, help us, Marvel, you're our only hope, um, <laughs> which made a lot of sense at that point, because, you know, Marvel is pair of companies with Disney, they own Star Wars. Or Sony so, said, anyway, "Hey Marvel, own, we want to make the money you're making." That's <laughs> that's exactly what they they said. Um, it's all about the Benjamins, really. And so, I wanted to ask you guys because obviously we saw Spider Man in Civil War, uh, and anybody who's listened to our Civil War episode knows how I felt about his inclusion in Civil War. Uh, it, it, to me, it, it it felt kind of shoehorned in uh, because of the fact that they had just made this deal. They just inked this deal. And they really wanted him in the movie. So I wanted to ask you guys, the opening of this film, uh, we basically, the credit sequence is, you know, Civil War from Peter's perspective. Legitimately, he's, he's filming the whole thing. Uh, and I just wanted to ask you guys how that worked for you as the opening to Spider-Man's own movie. It doesn't feel like this is supposed to be Spider-Man's own movie. I guess when I was going in, I'm thinking this is part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And so going in, knowing that, I was thinking, well, where does this movie take place to what we saw in Avengers 2? Or no, I'm sorry, in the Civil War. And so I liked this starting out that way because it kind of showed me, okay, yeah, this is where we started off with this Superman was in the Captain America Civil War. You mean this Spider-Man? Spider he's not Superman. Because, Matt, you're such a big Superman fan. You talk about it all the time. I just It just confuses me. But Spider-Man being in Civil War, this kind of helped establish, okay, we're recognizing that this doesn't. this movie doesn't take place before that. This is taking place after. So... I kind of enjoyed that and seeing the different angles from him, his perspective. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the beginning as well. Um, it, it's 
and I think it's important that they do this the way they do because it established a lot of what motivates Peter in this film is the events that had happened to him in Civil War. I mean, that's really kind of the crux of uh, what what they were going for here with the story that they were telling, the lesson that he learns at the end. It's it's and it's it's a, it's a neat way to kind of differentiate. I mean, obviously this was going to be different than the other Spider Mans, but he does exist in this shared universe, and now they're kind of exploring. Well, what does that mean? For these, like kind of a, almost a second generation, though not that far removed. But what is it like with these when these kids grow up in this world with these superheroes and and starting with Spider Man? And I thought it was really interesting, a really interesting way to go about it. And and, and I think they're taking advantage of the fact that their Spider Man is a latecomer in this version of the universe. And I think it was really effective for that. The Opening, opening of the film where they actually begin after the destruction of New York. Uh, I really like that, the way they set up the villain. I thought that was a stellar way to uh, set up the villain's motivation. Uh, and so I really liked that. Um, the part with Peter, I wasn't as much a fan of because it kind of felt to me a little bit cheap of a way of just saying, hey, Mar, remember when we had him in Civil War? You know, instead of like, I already saw him in Civil War. I don't I don't need to be reminded of that. Um, what I would have really liked to have had with Peter is something that reminded me of what Peter himself has been through before he met Tony. Um and a, a way of alluding to without necessarily maybe showing us, but just something about Peter's life and the storyline that we are all assuming that Peter has, which is that he lost his uncle uh, and all of that storyline, but not necessarily maybe having to, to go the whole way of, of like using the opening to do that, uh, but just having something because I wanted there to be uh, as i'm watching as i watched the movie i realized i i needed there to be more of a connection with the peter story um that we classically know uh and they uh, there's one very very minute reference to peter's life before tony stark and his life is is becoming spider-man and finding out about his powers and uncle ben basically but they never mentioned that. Uh, and, th and that actually frustrated the heck out of me because that's kind of the core of his story. You said it was, m there was minor, what, indication in, in that? There's, there's one indication in the movie, and that's but when But not in the opening Peter, scene. Okay. No, no. There's one indication throughout the movie. It's, there's one. And Peter says to Ned, his best friend... Um, you know, like, does Aunt May Ned's like, does Aunt May know that you're Spider-Man? And he's like, no, I can't tell her with all that she's been through in the last few months. Or, you know, however, I can't remember the exact time frame he uses. That's the only allusion to the fact that Aunt May's been through something traumatic. Uh, and, but it's, it's not just P Aunt May, it's Peter, too. Like, but there's really no, there isn't. Like, Spider-Man, as an origin story, has a very emotional core. And it's centered around what happens with 
Uncle Ben. And just the same way that Batman is centered around what happens in the alleyway, right? Uh, and I, I just wish that they had used this as an opportunity, the opening, instead of reminding us of what we already knew about Civil War, which I don't need a reminder of because we've all seen it, um, it would have been cooler, I think, to, to give something of the backstory of Peter before Civil War happened because we've already seen that. But I need to be able to connect as the audience to the storyline because that is the essence of who that's the essence of Peter and and the essence of of what morphs him into being the character he'll become so it's it's an interesting criticism because you know you're saying that you'd, you'd rather see the the Uncle Ben stuff than the Civil War stuff and I, I would argue that they're trying to avoid a lot of criticisms Oh, I I know they are. I, <laughs> by yeah. by um because I think more people are familiar with the Spider-Man backstory than have seen Civil War. So I think it's actually a, kind of a more effective use of their time because let's say of course the people we have seen Civil War um a good chunk of Marvel fans I mean you know, have obviously seen Civil War, but the general going audience well there's already kind of a sense of spider fatigue. You know, this is the the third reboot in mm-hmm. uh 10 years or whatever it is and people i think are very um wary of another new spider oh absolutely. absolutely so i think that's i think that was their way to avoid it there's no yeah. there's no spider bite there's no uncle ben right right and and and, and again my my point isn't to say uh, and and i i think i made this pretty clear i don't want you to do the origin story that way where you just show us all that stuff but find a way to tell that part of the story without having to show it all to us. Yeah. Uh, because, I, and I'll make my point by saying this, uh, I do another podcast called Cinema Stories, and my podcast partner, she's not a comic book person, right? She enjoys the movies and stuff, but she's not like a comic book person. And so the Spider-Man origin story isn't as familiar to her as, say, like the Batman origin story. I mean, it's, you know, just... It's it's not as much a part of the ethos of the world as we think it is. Um, and again, two, I think we always have to remember this will be some kid's first Spider-Man, and they don't know that. They don't know that story. And so therefore, this iteration of Spider-Man to them doesn't have that backstory. And I think that hurts the character as we move forward, because you always have to think about whose story is this going to be the first Spider-Man. In the same way that, you, you know, you struggle with any franchise, um, how do we catch people up without making them feel like we're catching them up? Um, and, and honestly, I, I, you're absolutely right, Daniel. I think Marvel is scared to death to touch that, and it totally shows in this movie, and they're all the worse for it. Because they don't have the guts to show Sony how it should have been done the entire time. And if they had done that, I think this movie is a billion times better. Because the emotional, and and let's talk about it, the emotional core of who Spider-Man is as a character is missing from this movie. Because you don't know where he comes from. It would be like doing Batman, introducing introducing the character Batman to somebody who doesn't know Batman. And excising the alleyway. 
I, I, I just, this doesn't make, I just, I mean, that's a common criticism. I mean, of the Justice League, uh, not Justice League, the Batman v Superman movie is like, oh, okay, we've, why are we seeing this again? Everybody does know it already. And I don't know, it's just a really, I, I, I didn't really consider it the way that you're presenting it when I was watching it. I mean, I obviously took note that, that there was no reference or flashback or anything like that to Uncle Ben. I just don't think that's the story that they were telling here. I mean, this is a Peter Parker who has learned the lesson. We don't has have he to learned hear... that lesson though. That's the point. Uh, I think the, with the the great power thing, yeah, I think that's his, that's what motivates him for the, the entire film is the fact that he's trying to do more. He's like ready to drop out of high school to go and be a hero somewhere. He's not. He's not right. Being... But I don't think he's. Uh, that's the point. I think. I think he, he. We don't know that he's had that conversation, and I don't feel it in this movie. Because because I, I he's he's he, yeah he's not because really Peter's arc it was yeah the emotional core for Peter in the movie is this uh, he wants to be an Avenger uh, he he thinks that's cool that's his main goal and what he learns in the movie is that he doesn't have to be Avenger or be out there to make a difference right mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with great power comes great responsibility. That uh, I, that is that is maybe tangentially directed in that sure. general direction, but that's not the core of who. Again, the very core, the very essence of Peter Parker as a character is: with great power comes great responsibility. And the lesson that he learns from making a choice to not stop something that causes Uncle Ben's death. Without that emotional core presented in this movie, you end up with a much shallower character arc. I I, I, I guess like in the next Batman movie, I don't want there to be another. But the point can, is, is that they already showed that to you in Batman v Superman. You don't well, need to do okay. that again. But, it, but if they rebooted Batman tomorrow and didn't show us that scene and then we just had a Batman film or like take any uh, number of, of one-off Batman stories or, or any character really it doesn't really matter. Um, you can definitely tell a good Spider-Man story without showing Uncle Ben. Absolutely. I, I mean, it's I been done you, before. I think you absolutely can. I don't think they do it here. Okay. And, 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 that's, and, and, and the part of it is is that that emotional core, uh, and, and I, I tie that too with the, the mentors that Peter doesn't have throughout the film, there's nobody there to pick up that Uncle Ben slack, um, which I was really disappointed in. I thought it was going to be May. I mean, you cast Marissa Tomei, and you give her absolutely nothing to do in this film. Uh, in fact, I thought that the moment where Peter loses, you know, the suit, and uh, the the fact that uh, he he's distraught, I thought that was going to be a moment where she spoke some wisdom into his life, but there was just nothing there and I was really disappointed in that. Um, and then on top of that, I really thought that this movie was going to be the one in which Tony Stark showed some growth and, and tried to be a mentor to somebody. And yet Tony just kind of becomes this removed parent, this remote parent, you know, who only comes in when Peter does something wrong and takes away his toys instead of actually mentoring him and showing him how to be a hero i mean tony is the first hero in this marvel cinematic universe if anybody should be hopefully learn something to teach somebody something should be him right but But he sucks at it 
Yeah, he absolutely sucks at it. Uh, and then he tries to take credit for it at the end, which is just, it makes me want to punch the guy uh, because he's such a, I can't say it's a family show. <laughs> um, and he continues to be one, and that's what's so frustrating. Uh, they have all these moments where somebody could have taken that core of the, the Spider-Man story with the Uncle Ben stuff and been kind of that character for Peter, and, and nobody does that for him. And it just really bothered me that this kid is trying to figure out these powers and has absolutely nobody turned to but his best friend, who doesn't know any better than he does. No. Like, he's surrounded by heroes, you know? Like, but but nobody will actually show him. Like, and it really reminded me of this whole idea of something I've been reading a lot about. was like, Ben Sass has a great book, the uh, Nebraska Senator, about the vanishing American adult. And part of that is we're not passing on adulthood to our kids. And I, I saw that so clearly in this movie. Like, nobody is showing Peter how to be an adult or have responsibility, especially with the powers that he had. It just, I don't know. It just, what did you think, Bruce? Because I, I feel like I've been talking too much. <laughs> I already knew your opinion. So I've been waiting for this. So, <laughs> um, I, I, I totally get what you're saying. I think if we had the origin story with Uncle Ben or even just acknowledgement of what happened to his parents and how that affected him, I think that would have given more emotional weight to the character and to the story. However, I think the fact that we have had several Spider-Man movies that have addressed the origin story... I didn't expect to see that in this movie. I didn't go into this movie as, oh, this is a, a restart again. This is a, another Spider-Man 1. I really wasn't expecting an origin story. I thought maybe it might be addressed in here. Maybe it would be mentioned. Maybe there'd be a brief scene, maybe in the middle or something like that. But it really stood out to me when going to the movie, my kids, 15 and 13, both girls, the oldest is really into superheroes. They both said in the car, Oh my gosh, I hope it's not another, oh, we got to see Uncle Ben die and him become Spider-Man. We we've seen that. We don't want that anymore. We, I hope it's not like that. We've already gotten that story a couple of times. And afterwards, they were praising the fact that none of that was brought up, that we went right into a Spider-Man story. He's already Spider-Man. And they said it didn't feel as doom and gloom as the last Spider-Man. He seemed always depressed. This was more fun. This was more lighthearted. And... Maybe that's not what you want, Matt, or some other people want or whatever. And yes, there could have been more weight to that. But for my kids, this worked better for them. So it just depends what you want to put into a Spider-Man movie and what you want to get out of it. And I think it worked because I do think it was a lot of fun. I, did, I thought it was funny your comment when you said, I didn't need to see what happened in Civil War. I already knew what happened. Well, that's kind of what my kids were echoing about Uncle Ben. I've already seen what happened with Uncle Ben. I already know how he becomes Spider-Man. I don't want to see that happen. So it just depends where you're coming from going into the movie. I don't know if this is the case or not. Um, and it, it may be that they haven't even thought this far ahead yet. But uh, it's also possible that either Ben or Peter's parents or both... Um, will come back in flashbacks or something else. They'll be connected to the larger Marvel universe in some way. Maybe that's what they're saving it for as well. Obviously I do think the main goal of, of the filmmakers here was, was to avoid uh, the tired cliched old uh, origin story at this point. And um, yeah, I, I, I feel the same way. 
uh, that your kids do. I just I was just excited to be in a, like a Spider-Man movie, and I didn't you know I was just I was okay. I was ready to go, and maybe and obviously not everybody feels that way, but I was I was totally mm-hmm. okay with that decision. Well, I know this is going to sound silly, but I, I I got into Spider-Man watching the old '60s cartoon, and I saw Spider-Man and his amazing friends. And I never knew the origin story at those points. And I still enjoyed Spider-Man. But of course, it didn't have the weight <laughs> like, like the right. movies had then. Yeah, I mean, and again, I'm, I think, look, I think you can have fun in a movie, but still have weight. And I think what frustrated me was that watching the movie, it felt like Marvel was so self-conscious about not wanting to repeat what had been done before that they did excise some of the heart and core and emotion that you're supposed to feel with Peter as Spider-Man out of it. Um, and it was to me, I felt like detrimental to the character himself to, to not have some connection. Um, yeah. And I, I don't think it needed to be, a complete origin story, but I don't think that not referencing it all that um, or just avoiding it altogether is necessarily the best option. Um, and, it, and on top of that, I don't think that Peter having a good mentor throughout the movie wouldn't have really helped. And specifically, I think on that, I really would have liked to have seen Tony training him to be a hero so that the moment that Peter, quote-unquote, rebels and he has to take away the suit uh, and then saves the day, it, it would have been a stronger character moment, I, I think. was hoping for that. Between yeah. the two. I was hoping for that when yeah. we got to the fairy scene, and I thought, okay, now yeah. Tony's going to step up. But instead, he mm-hmm. took away from Peter. And I was like, okay, well, maybe he's putting, you know, this is a hard lesson. That's what he's teaching Peter. And then later on, we find out, well, he took credit for that, but it was obvious that that wasn't his intent. It wasn't to teach Peter a lesson. It was just, yeah, no, you're not ready. I'm taking you out. Gone. See ya. Bye, kid. Have fun. Tony has a bit of a guilt complex. Yeah. It's, it's um, yeah, you know, it's, yes. <laughs> it's funny, be, you know, I think another thing that Marvel was really concerned about, were really concerned about, um, was maybe overusing Tony in this film. Oh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, so, and I was actually, even though you won't find a bigger, you know, t- Tony Stark yeah, fan Coming me, from the Iron Man, number one fan himself. <laughs> I will say that I was a little concerned that he would be too much in this film and kind of overshadow Spider-Man. Um, I think he was in it just the right amount, uh, but I do agree that they could have tweaked how the interactions went down. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm glad yeah, that they didn't absolutely. throw him everywhere, you know? Yeah, you no, know, I think you're absolutely right, too. I mean, I, again, I, I, we keep saying it. Marvel is afraid this whole movie. Uh, they're afraid of the origin story. They're afraid of putting in Tony too much. They're afraid of all of this stuff. And it's like, just grab it by the horns and do it if you totally believe that it's the right thing to do. Don't be afraid. Just stand by whatever it is you believe you're going to do, and we'll probably buy it, right? I mean, Marvel's been pretty decent at giving us bold stories for the most part, you know? I mean, putting all the heroes into Avengers had never been done, and then they proved that it could be done. Uh, You know, I feel like putting in or tweaking Tony a little bit, maybe a a couple more scenes, but just allowing him to... And Again, you can take... 
Tony and and not be him as Iron Man. Just have him as Tony Stark, a guy teaching a young boy how to be a hero uh, because he has some experience in this area. Uh, and, and it can be a growth moment for Tony Stark, which would have been awesome. Instead, he just continues to play the ultimate playboy. Um, I'm trying to... I just really I know, he's s- about to get married. Yeah. Uh, well, so. yeah. Uh, so th- that happened, apparently. Uh, yeah. That's such a throw-in annoyance. But anyway, that's a whole other part of the movie. Uh, but allow that to, to be a part of the storyline. So you are using Tony in a way that's totally different than how he's ever been used in any other film before. So it doesn't feel like there's too much of him um, because he's not Iron Man. He's just Tony. Uh, basically, I feel like it would have been a really nice progression from where Tony had been at the end of Iron Man 3, where it really felt like he had learned something. Uh, and then, of course, he regresses badly uh, in the last two movies he's been in. And then it would have just been, if if this had happened right after Iron Man 3, I could have totally seen them being able to pull off having just Tony in the movie uh, being the, you know, mentor. And, uh, you know, I just... I, Part of it, too, was the frustration of watching all these people abdicate their role of responsibility, helping this young boy become a hero. I mean, Tony's kind of abdicating his role. He gives him a suit and throws him out the door and was like, be good, kid. You know, uh, Happy's not taking his responsibility seriously. Um, He's too busy packing things. Uh, And then they literally, I mean, people are abdicating their roles all over this movie. So Pete, Happy and and Tony literally pack up all his valuables in a drone plane and then let it go. Like, yeah, I didn't get that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, it was just so that they could use it to get hijacked. But I was like, nobody would put like all of that tech in a plane that's not guarded by, you know, at least 50 guys. Or at least 50 iron suits. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it it was just, there was some really dumb things. But most of all, I just, what I wanted was for Peter himself and and for Tom Holland to be serviced uh, as the character of Spider-Man in a a little bit more emotional way. It's, so to me, this movie is very much a high school movie. And absolutely. um, and I like I don't disagree with what you're saying. I never thought that way when I was watching the film or or when I was kind of reflecting on it later. Um, I, I never thought that Peter needed a mentor. Um, I think this is more of a coming of age kind of thing. Like he can do this himself. He doesn't need these adults. He's this is about him and his friends and what's going on in his life. And um, while I can totally see what you're saying, I just it, it was it seemed to me a very uh, personal thing for him. And, it, 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 you know, and I think, too, the danger is having Iron Man hang out with him the whole movie and being super awesome would take away from that. You know, Peter becomes the hero in this story himself. Um, he doesn't do it through, through through these other means. It's just, I don't know, I just, I, I, I kind of thought it was... I just didn't even think of it, I guess I should right. say. It never even entered my mind for uh, for that to be an element uh, of the story. I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, this is the John Hughes Superman. Or this is the John Hughes Spider-Man See, I'm film. not the only I one. I mean, this is the John Hughes... I mean, it's like the breakfast Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, you <laughs> right. know, Where parents uh, are and, absent. Because this is... Yeah, this is literally the breakfast club uh, as a superhero film, you know? And I completely agree with you, Daniel. That's That's 
that's pretty much what they're going for. Mm-hmm. And I think that on the surface, for the most part, and I think for most people, obviously, look at the Rotten Tomatoes score, it works. Um, I could not believe, after I saw this movie, I could not believe the Rotten Tomatoes score. I was like, I don't know what people are smoking, but this movie's like a, you know, a 65 or 70. It's not a 93. I think there's a way to do both. Um, sure, I'm sure. Yeah. And so, I, what I'm saying is, is what I, I, I liked some of this. I just, I was disappointed that there weren't some other things in there. Um, but I, to your point, I think this really is about finding your place. You know, like Peter kind of having that teenage desire to be anywhere but where he is. And specifically for him, he's like, I'm an Avenger. I could be an Avenger. I could do it. You know, it's like, come on, coach, put me in. I know I can do it. Um, And I, I think, you know, learning the lesson of that where you are is just as important as where you could be, if not more important. And, and the good you can do where you are. I thought that was great. I th- I do think that's a very important, you know, lesson that he he learns throughout the film of that, you know what? I don't have to be an avenger to be somebody who can help people. And and I thought that was probably the hallmark lesson that he kind of ends up learning, which is the very teenage lesson too, right? I don't have to go around the world to be able to help people. I could just help people next door or like the lady who bought me a chiro after I gave her, you know, directions. So the fact that this does take place in a different universe from the other Spider-Man movies we've seen, and you're talking about the origin story of Uncle Ben, uh, his death, but since this is a different universe, different story, is there even an Uncle Ben that exists? Did he really die? That's Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I I think you actually bring up a great question, you know, and... I mean, we don't know the origin of the Spider-Man. We absolutely don't know. We actually don't. All we know is that he was bit by a spider. Which that frustrated me. And it died. Yes. (laughs) And it died. Yeah, it's dead. It's dead, Ned. The spider's dead. I just hated that he said Um, it was just a spider. Like, any old spider can give you powers, but whatever. So you are right. Because isn't the the Uh, Aunt May that we've seen in comics and other... Well, no. no, This is not the Aunt May we've seen before. I mean, for all we know, Aunt May's never been married. So I have a question for you guys too. Do you remember in Civil War where they whether they mention? I mean, Peter alludes to when he's talking to Tony when he says like, you know, if there's something bad that's going to happen and you can stop it and you don't, are you responsible? Like, is that their way of saying the Uncle Ben story happened without them telling the story? Do you think? I, I think so. I think again. I think they're just trying to avoid that line. And they replace it in this film with a line that Tony says. Can't remember what it is. If um, you're nothing without the suit, yeah, yeah, then you don't deserve the suit. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I mean, I, ass- I, I do. I assume there. It's all there. The, the radioactive spider wasn't just some regular spider. That Uncle Ben got shot or killed right. or whatever, or run over by a car, whatever it is, you know. And I, I, and I think that's what the audience is meant to do. I don't think that they're they're going with some crazy new origin story of. Of Spider-Man, I think they avoided it because it's mundane at this point. It's the usual, and it's just easier just to. to I agree with that, but let's look. We have show notes here, and Matt, your friend Sean at the Nerd Party pointed out, and I remember this now that Liz at the end of the movie 
She lost her dad, of course, being locked up in the jail. And Peter says to her, I can't imagine how hard this is for you to lose your dad. Well, he does. He's lost his dad and he's lost his uncle. So how can he not imagine how hard this would be for her to lose her dad unless she didn't lose? Yeah, he literally lost his dad. Like his dad's dead, not in is prison. He? I don't know. And his, it is, well, yeah, I, and his I, uncle's I, dead. So, I think therein like, lies the, the problem. I mean, that's a totally different situation. I mean, imagine, I mean, yes, of course, going through the, the loss of a parent, I can't imagine, is probably sure tremendously difficult. Knowing that you're learning that your your parent is alive and is a terrible thieving murderer psychopath man is a totally different experience. In those, I, I I didn't read deeper than that. I just I I can't understand what it would be like to learn my father was a supervillain with a terrible nickname. Yeah. Like that's what I assumed he was saying. I didn't think he was mm-hmm. saying he has no idea what loss. No, I think is. you're right. That seems like a big stretch. I mean, I and I I see what you're saying. I what I think happened legitimately. Let's just look at the facts. There are six writers on this movie. Six, and I'm pretty sure that none of them thought about this. And part, uh, I guess, part of what frustrates me about the movie is this feels like Spider-Man light. Like it's just glossing over all of the Spider-Man stuff. And I want to speak specifically to that with teching the spider. Why in the world do we need to give Spider-Man an Iron Man suit? Basically. Now, I absolutely love Karen in this movie. I thought she was hysterical. Not only the fact that she's Jennifer Conley, which is, you know, married to Paul Bettany, who's Jarvis and now Vision. That's awesome meta stuff, right? And she was a hysterical character in the film. But why does every character have to be Iron Man-ish? Spider-Man has his own powers and his own things that make him special, and they took most of them away by giving him a suit that makes him more like Tony and less like Spider-Man. And it really frustrated me because I loved Karen, but I hate what it does for the character of Spider-Man because Spider-Man doesn't have a lot of special powers anymore. They've kind of stripped all of his other powers that you see in the comics, like his Spidey sense. He doesn't need a Karen. That's what the Spidey sense is for. You know, like they really taken away a lot of the things that make Peter as Parker special as Spider-Man by giving him a suit that just makes him Iron Man. Like, yeah. I thought the same thing. I thought I, when I was watching, I was like, oh, okay, so what, Spider-Man is now Iron Man? I mean, it's like that same thing where we're seeing through his eyes, we're seeing all the tech gadgets, and it's pointing him in the right direction, and, and the suit's talking to him, and there's all these little gadgets and things. That it's got advanced parts that he hasn't even learned how to use yet. It's like, it's not just he's in a suit and web swinging around. He's got all these weird gadgets, but... I got to a point where I thought, okay, I just need to accept that, that that's in this version, because really what the MCU is turning out to be or has been for the longest time, maybe, is this is Iron Man's universe and all these superheroes are in it because it seems to be even, you know, we're seeing Iron Man appearing just about everywhere now. And it's. I mean, maybe he's not in Guardians of the Galaxy yet, but I can see him showing up. But it really does feel like this whole universe is kicked off and this is the Iron Man universe, in my opinion. And so the the superheroes work and evolve around him. Yeah, you know, I mean, well, I, t- to be fair, Spider-Man is no stranger to gadgetry. Um, no, I mean, absolutely he, he not. Absolutely oh, oh, not. Always. 
Uh, actually, what I, I mean is web certain... shooters. I mean that he well, built right, and, right, and exactly. you know, yeah, creating um, his own web, you know, which is I, I will say I was actually concerned. The, the one the biggest concern I had about the suit was that it was it would diminish Peter Parker's um, brilliance, his scientific uh, ability, which I, I I think they kind of skirted around because he was still developing his own fluid and all of that stuff. And and they showed his his it's not super intelligence, but his extreme intelligence um to to a, a good degree um Was yeah i guess because I, I i got a bone to pick with it finish um i guess i was just gonna say that uh i mean again this this is the story that they are deciding to tell and and like you were just saying bruce it's just that he is now interacting with iron man iron man built this suit it's and and i think logistically they did it because he spends a good chunk of the middle of the film by himself and it kind of would have been boring to just I guess he would have had to talk to himself. I don't know what, what he would have been doing. But, right. Uh, and yeah, just, no, I just, know why they give him Karen, because exactly what you said, they need him to some somebody to bounce ideas off of. And like if and I, I got to credit Sean again from the nerd party saying this, but if the sequel isn't Peter and Karen falling in love her style, um, I don't I don't want to see it because um, <laughs> that should be the sequel. Uh, but. I was really frustrated, actually, with the way that they treated Peter and his genius. Peter is supposed to be super smart, like like off-the-charts smart. That's one of the things that makes him so awkward in the comics is that he, he, he doesn't necessarily relate to people all that well all the time because he's just really smart, super science geeky kid. And that point when he is confronting Vulture at the end and he doesn't realize what's happening around him because he hasn't figured out that the villain isn't going for him at all. He's collapsing the building on him. I was like, really? Come on, dude. Spider-Man's supposed to be really smart. He should have been able to figure that out. Uh, and I, ne- I, I don't feel like that they... I guess the point I'm complaining about is they don't they don't really showcase Peter or Spider-Man very well in this movie. Like I was hoping that Marvel was going to get Spider-Man right and they don't. They don't showcase us what makes Peter and Spider-Man special as a character and and really um put a highlight on his powers uh other than the fact that he makes webs. Like, that's the only thing that we know that he does. Other than that, I don't know anything else about this character other than the fact that he got bit by a spider and he can he figure out a way to make webs. Like, there's nothing else here. Like, there's no Spidey sense, which I thought would have been really cool to finally add to a Spider-Man character, kind of really explore what that meant for him, but that's not there in this movie um, because we just, we give him a suit. And it takes care I, of everything for him. Well, uh, Kevin Feige has has said that uh, the reason they didn't explicitly show Spider Sense in this movie was because uh, they didn't want the the callbacks to the other films. I I mean I, I again, but you're afraid of the other well, but, films instead uh, also, of just I mean, showing them how it should have been done. It's not a thing you have to show. I mean, there's specific. It's a something that he experienced. I mean, I I, I assume every time I see Spider Man in any medium. That the, the the things that he's capable of doing physically would be impossible without Spidey Sense. Uh, I, and of course, there have been creative ways to try and show it, but it's not anything that you actually visibly have to see. Like, it's not like his eyes light up bigger or 
you know, what, like, you know, in the Sam Raimi films, when it would just go into slow-mo, slow-mo mode, which was essentially spider sense in that, in that movie. But that's just one way of doing it. I don't know. I mean, you could come up with a creative way. I'm not saying you, they right. shouldn't have or whatever. Right. Uh, I just always just assume that it's part of his character, mm-hmm. even if it's not explicitly stated. Well, and, and that's great, again, I think for you or me, because we know, right, but there's a whole generation of kids that this may be their, again, there's first Spider-Man, and they don't know crap about Spider-Man right now. Like, that's that, none of that's in the movie. All they know is that he's a kid inside a suit that talks to him, and he can make fluid that turns into a web. Yep, that's the Spider-Man. Which is super that cool. That is the Spider-Man. Yeah, you know, and I and I think that's a little frustrating to to again, they're so afraid. They're so they're driven See, this whole movie is driven by a fear. Thing. I mean, I know what you're saying, but I just don't I don't know. I I just feel like they're trying to do something I, I, different. Yeah. Yeah. I, and and maybe, but what they're doing I don't think is better. Well, it may not be better, but it may not be worse either. Yeah. I mean, I guess the way I look at it is I, I try not to compare like, oh, well, this is the way Spider-Man's supposed to work and this is what the story's supposed right. to be. And this is a, I mean, that's like saying, oh, we're going to do an, uh, a reboot of Star Trek The Next Generation and then we get on here and go, why didn't Wesley save the ship? Wesley always saves the ship, you know? And it's like, yeah. well, maybe they wanted to downplay Wesley. You know what I'm saying? It's like they, they want to go something different with this. And, and I guess I appreciate but- that. Yeah, I think the the thing that I'm bothered by, I'm not necessarily comparing it to the other films. I'm comparing it to classic Spider-Man comic book, like what we know of Spider-Man and the important things about what makes Spider-Man but Spider-Man. But hasn't those evolved you know? over the years? They're probably not. I, I No, I'm sure that there's, but I mean, there's always kind of a, a classic thing. It's like, you know, Superman in the comics used to be able to shoot a mini version of him out of his hand, right? That's not a classic power. <laughs> You know, that's not one that stayed around. Uh, but there are classic powers that we all know that kind of are a part of every iteration of Spider-Man or Superman. The same thing with Spider-Man. He has a certain set of skills and powers that kind of are in every iteration. And there are probably some comic books that have taken things super far one way or super far the other way. But there's always kind of a baseline middle. Uh, I feel like... I. I that's what I'm arguing for is that the, that baseline middle to be in this film because I was just hoping that Marvel was finally going to do Spider-Man, you know, like really nailed everything. I, I guess it depends on what you consider quintessential Spider-Man. A lot of those elements were there for me. Um, he is smart. He is shown to be smart. I mean, he's 15 year, years old. I mean, so we can't expect him to be completely Spider-Man man yet, right? But he's 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 obviously very intelligent. He's slightly snarky. You know, he's got these these base abilities like you're talking about. I don't know. He's, it, it seemed pretty. It was just a young Spider-Man. It was like Spider-Man year one, essentially. And of course, he will grow and develop and change uh, throughout the course of the movies and maybe in new ways, maybe in more established ways. Um, but I, I don't know. I just I, he seemed like a good kind of spider kid, spider boy <laughs> kind of kind of a situation. Spider boy. Um <laughs> Let's I mean, let's talk about some of the characters. And first, let's talk about Tom Holland because I, I have to say, if there's any anything I love about this movie, I think it's him. I mean, clearly, he's absolutely 100% the best part of this movie. And I think it's because I, he nails the character of Peter and he nails the snarkiness of, of Spider-Man perfectly. I like, and he's the perfect Spider-Teen kid thing. 
You know, like he just is really good. And that's what excites me to maybe see, hopefully, a movie where they're willing to take some more risks. Uh, because I feel like he deserves it because he really, he just did everything perfectly as that character. I wish they had just given him better, but he's the best thing about this movie. I absolutely No, I thought he was great too. I loved him. I I believed he was a a teenage kid, even though my 15 year old daughter said, Mm -hmm. there's no way he's 15. I'm 15. (laughs) And we had to look it up on IMDb and he just recently turned 21. So she was right about that. But I mean, I thought he really portrayed a teenager, a 15 year old. I mean, I like, okay. One thing I love about this movie and his performances is just when he's not being Spider-Man, when he's just the, the high school kid and, and trying to figure things out and fitting in and having his and playing with Lego death stars. Yeah, it's like, I love that stuff. It, it's like, it, it's funny before this movie came out, I said to my daughters, I said, some of my favorite uh, superhero movies are the ones where it's not just about them dealing with their powers and getting the bad guy. It's like how they have to deal with everyday life. And then they've got this this weird thing about their life and that is being a superhero and how you balance those things. And, and I love it how, you know, even when he's confronted with something important, he's like, yeah, but I've got a Spanish quiz. You know, it's like, you know, yeah, <laughs> that's so important, you know, as a teenage kid, it's like, you know, these you know, I've got a quiz or I've got a date or whatever. And how do I balance something really serious with those things? Because those are serious to me too. And they're, they're earth shattering in that time in your life. So I really did enjoy his performance and, and have, and those, I love those lines that they were giving him in those situations. Yeah, he's great. Um, I, he, I, you guys have said it as much as I can. It's a, he's just a really good Spider-Man. He's definitely my, uh, my favorite version of Peter Parker. Uh, that I've seen live action w- without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, no, absolutely. I could not agree with. Uh, yeah. Uh, I. So Zendaya as MJ. I mean, Michelle Jones. Um, thoughts. Um, so I, I, I had to ask about this because I wasn't aware. She's, she's apparently a singer of some sort. Uh, uh, I guess yeah. I'm apparently she's big on like the Disney channel or something. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm, I'm like, like, I don't know. I'm, you know, that's what I said. I, I, looked I, over just, t- I turned 38 today. I don't know this crap. <laughs> I looked over at my friend after we, you know, we were watching the credits and I'm like, don't you have to be super famous before you can be a one name person? And he's like, oh yeah, she's some singer or something. And I'm like, oh, okay. I guess I didn't know. Um, Wait, you're not listening to like you know Disney XD teeny pop no. music? Well, no, not. not yeah, my thing. shocker. No. Uh, I didn't love her. Um, yeah. She played too much manic pixie girl. I don't know. It's just like too cool. For, I don't know. I just she felt forced and mm, a yeah. bit much. I didn't like uh, like oh she's oh she. I don't know. I just she felt she's over the top too cool for, me. for school. Yeah. But she's way too cool for school, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. She just felt a bit too yeah, much. Yeah, I agree. Maybe just a little too much. Uh, but I did enjoy her character. I mean, she had some scenes that were actually, you know, pretty funny. But uh, it was maybe a little too far with her, a little too much of that stereotype of I'm just too cool uh, character. Um but I, I did enjoy her when she was in Shake It Up on Disney Channel. So, I mean. <laughs> well, yeah, so you I mean, go. you've got you girls go. who would yes, totally they know knew who exactly she is, who so. she was. Thank you, Bruce. <laughs> well, and I think that's exactly why she's probably in this movie. Because, like, that teeny bopper crowd would know exactly who she is. Did people say teeny it, bopper anymore? Probably not. I don't Sorry. know. Sorry. I apologize actually, to all teeny boppers out there. It made me curious. Be, I don't know. Maybe she had like a stricter shooting schedule or whatever. But like her her line at the Washington Monument was very funny. But then 
she just she sits out that scene and i yeah. thought it was really strange i didn't know why i guess unless if it was intentional maybe the writers wanted him to mm-hmm. focus on liz and not on her um, yeah. until the end of the movie or whatever but i don't know it's it just, also it just a statement weird. that may or may not be true i actually did some research on that and there's no actual conclusive evidence that that's true so mm, yeah i'll have to head down there and see what they say yeah so yeah maybe the anyway. guy will shrug at me yeah eh, eh. Uh, but yeah that bothered me just because it's like don't just throw stuff out there like that you know like anyway the other thing that frustrated me and this is again where i saw the fear at the end where we're like oh my name is michelle jones but my friends call me mj and i'm like and i know kevin feige's come out and said like well we just didn't want to reiterate like oh my gosh why are you so scared about just like using classic spider-man things you know like i thought it was fantastic to have the main love interest be liz in this movie and it never really works out for her and peter but i thought it was a fantastic way of skirting all of that and so that maybe two years down the road when the next spider-man comes out you could put in a gwen stacy or a mary jane without it being like oh we're just doing it again like this was the perfect way to do that and instead they blow it by just making her an MJ, but not the MJ. Their comments about this are, are actually what bother me the most, because there's, they seem to be implying that MJ is still MJ, and this person ju- is just called MJ, meaning there is another MJ out there. Well, if you're going to do this, if you're going to have that reveal at the end, what the yeah. heck is the point if you're yeah, just going to come up with a different character down yeah. the road? I don't even, what was that scene about? Like, that's fine, be bold, change it up, that's cool. But don't, like, half do it. I, I, I don't understand the point of that at all. and It just makes no sense to me. Yeah, I mean, th- that is weird because not even just she reveals at the end, oh, I, I go by MJ, but then she looks at Peter in a way that suggests she's interested in him as if, like, yeah, this is going to be the next love interest, but if she's not really going to be the Mary Jane and the love interest in the next movie, then what is the point of all yep, that? Absolutely. And then I just was like, guys, you are screwing yourselves over by being so frightened of like touching anything that has anything to do with classic Spider-Man mythology just because it's been done before. It's like they probably thought that people would see this and not think, of course, that's MJ and at the end go, oh, my gosh, did you see at the end? Michelle's actually MJ. It blew my mind. And I don't think that worked. (laughs) It didn't. Not at all. Um, I do want to talk about Ned Jacob Batalin who plays Ned. God, I love that kid. Not only did I love him in the movie, but I love that he's so excited about being the dude in the chair, about yeah. being the cliche. Like, his biggest thing is he wants to be the cliche. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, I mean, the chair thing, I mean, every superhero has that, and so it was cool that he's doing that. And then when he is sitting in the chair, he's going between computers and looking things up in the school. And uh, what was it that he was looking up on the computer that, uh, oh, how to drive a car, like where, where the, the headlights yeah, are, yeah. are in the car. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which, by the way, um, not thinking about it, uh, uh, the, the AI could have easily told him that. But um, yes. Oh, wait, he, he didn't. Anyways, um, yeah, he didn't have his AI. I forgot he didn't have the yeah, AI. Yeah, no Karen then. So but, that's um, don't drive without Karen is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, um, I. But even though this shot has been in all the trailers, it's still hilarious to me of of him wearing this Spider-Man mask. Uh, yes. He he was a great character. He was a, a lot of fun. A really good sidekick character for spider-man who doesn't really doesn't really have i mean he always has the classic um 
yeah. friendship with Harry, but doesn't have, mm-hmm. you know, beyond that, like any kind of fun friendship. So this is a character I hope they keep going and, and, and yeah. you know, he's a, becomes important. The relationship that they had, too, I thought was really nice, you know, um, and I, I just I thought it worked really well. I was very happy with with Ned and, and I, I I'm like you. I absolutely want to see more of him. Uh, and uh, what about uh, Marissa Tomei? We thought we touched a little bit on her as May Parker. And I was I, I really like Marissa Tomei. I've liked her in a lot of things. Uh Movie-wise, I think she's a very good actress and sometimes underrated, uh, even though she's won an Oscar. Uh, and I was really excited for them to kind of t- see a take on a younger Marissa Tomei. And I was really sad to see her just kind of turn into a joke about how hot she is. I was like, this is this is not serving the character. She's, um, yeah, she got a lot to do. Um, you know, three or four scenes. Uh, there was a couple of good parts with her in it. Uh, I... I and I do really like the younger, the younger Aunt May, the old elderly Aunt May never really made sense to me uh, as a character anyways. So I like mm-hmm. that they kind of modernized her. Um, I don't know. I, I, nothing particularly stuck out or bothered me about the character. I thought, it, I thought it was just, it worked. It was just, it, it was Aunt May. It was, that's who it was. Yeah, I agree. It, it, it wasn't outstanding. It wasn't that I left thinking, oh, wow, Marissa Tomei was just so incredible in that movie. And, oh, my gosh, she really made the movie for me. I, she did a great job for what she had. It was it was good. I, I like the Aunt May being younger. That was interesting. Again, it was just a different take, and I enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah, I just, I guess I, I just wanted more from her. Um, and, and not from her like she should have done something different. Um, but I, I think... Uh, she's just a character. Uh, act, she's an actress who deserves better material. And apparently, there was a scene that did get cut out, unfortunately, with her. Um, that she was actually has come out and said that she was sad that got cut out. With I think at her saving uh somebody and it kind of helping, she thought kind of explain where Peter gets some of his morals and stuff from. Uh, and um, but yeah, I just she's a great actress. I just I felt like they could have utilized her better. Um, and it really would have helped. So well, with that, the last scene there and the changing dynamic. Uh, yeah, hopefully she yep. can be more involved in the next in the next few Ab- films. Absolutely, you know? absolutely agree. Uh, and I, I think, like Lois, knowing who Clark is in Man of Steel and you know Batman v Superman, I think I really like that dynamic that we just don't keep having these women be oblivious to things that they shouldn't be oblivious to. Like she said earlier in the movie. Uh, I know you sneak out of this house every night. You know she's not oblivious to the things that are going on, and so for her to finally know that, I think is actually very helpful for the character in the end. So, um, I guess uh, I mean you know we don't really need to talk about uh Robert Downey Jr. He's doing Robert Downey Jr. being Iron Man. It's it's nothing new. Um, one last thing though, we talked a little bit about Wait, Pepper is back. Like what? <laughs> like can we just like? And why is so many things happening to the Iron Man ca- character off screen these days? We broke up. Now we're back together. I mean, it's like, I don't know. I, w- I liked that she's back because I've always liked the Pepper character. But then I was kind of felt like it was emotional whiplash to finding like after everything that happened in, um, you know, Civil War where it's such a big deal that they're not together. And now it's like, oh, it's no big deal. We're fine. Ah, we've been waiting for you to get married the whole time. Like, it's a joke. It just, ugh, it annoyed me. 
I liked it. I liked it because, well, you know, the, it doesn't bother me that these things, these big changes are happening between movies because this, you know, this is months or years between these films. This We haven't seen Pepper since, you know, we get the reference in Civil War, but we haven't seen her since Iron Man 3. So, and I like the fact that they're, they didn't just drop the character, you know, who knows, maybe Gwyneth Paltrow had been busy in, in the intervening parts there. Um, but I don't want she's a much more interesting character than like Jane Foster. So I don't oh, want them to yes. just drop that character like that. I think she's super important. So I'm glad she's back either way. And I, and it, and it served to be a funny scene as well. So. Yeah. I, I remember hearing some reactions from the audience. that seemed positive. Like, Ooh, it's Pepper. Oh yeah. Like people seem happy to see her. So I, I guess it's self-serving mm-hmm. to, uh, well, we, let's put Pepper in there and show they're back together. Cause maybe they got a lot of people yeah. that were, well, Hey, and that. I, I again, know. I'm totally glad that she's back. I, like you said, she's so much better than like you know a uh, Jane Foster or I mean, I can't even name Hulk's love interests. I don't oh, remember. Uh, uh, yeah, Betty, 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 Betty. Betty. Yeah. Yes. Um. So uh, yeah, and I, I think it, too, Gwyneth Paltrow has just really brought life to that character. So I'm glad that she's back. It was just like, oh my gosh. Um. And. Yeah, the funniest part is like I've been carrying this around since you know 2008, so that was <laughs> yeah. great. Um, yeah. One last thing we do need to talk about uh, before we get to some final thoughts is Vulture, yeah, Michael Keaton, uh, and I wanted to know what you guys thought of him as a villain because if there is any weakness, if there has been any weakness, I think to a lot of Marvel films, it has been the villain. Uh, so, what did you think of of uh, this as uh, the main bad guy? I think um, they made the Vulture who by his very nature is a terrible and silly villain as menacing and intimidating as is possible. And I, I think of course, that's, <laughs> yeah. uh, that's entirely uh, because of Michael Keaton being an excellent actor. Um, I don't know. They, they, man, the, the characters they're picking for the villains in these films. And if they keep going with what they're doing, I just, it's silly to me. I don't, Spider-Man has a fantastic rogues gallery and they seem to love to either pick the same ones over and over or pick the silly ones. But again, I, that's just my personal opinion, but I think um, pretty standard Marvel fare as as far as the, the villain goes. He doesn't it doesn't he doesn't rise above. He's pretty average, I'd say. Uh, but like I said, every good aspect of his character comes from the actor, and the only other really remarkable thing about him is the twist, uh, which in the, halfway through the film, when you find out that he is Liz's father, which I had read that spoiler months ago and completely forgot so when that scene that upbeat homecoming dance mm-hmm. prepared scene it, you know is happening and all the music is jovial and then he gets to the door and, and it's the vulture who is you know michael keaton that presence is intimidating it was, it was oh yeah good for that you know so uh i thought that was super well done and a really good good scene and mm-hmm. just the way that whole situation played out in the car ride and everything really yeah. really well done really yep. well done I can't tell you how many t- times uh, I heard in the theater behind me my second time seeing it, people go like, oh, shh, you know, like, <laughs> just like totally surprised. So you're absolutely right. It got a lot of people. And even me, like, I hadn't seen any spoilers because I haven't been really paying attention, you know, to uh, the, I felt like the the main trailer spoiled this movie enough because it was pretty much the whole film uh, arc wise for Peter. I get my suit taken away and then, you know, all this stuff. Um so I was trying to stay away from that stuff. And so I'm really glad I did because this was a good reveal that they were connected. 
Yeah, it, the reveal was actually kind of funny for us because my wife is always trying to guess reveals, and sometimes in movies she says something before the reveal, and we're like, oh my gosh, yeah, wait, why did you do that? Because now, now we're, you know, and she didn't get this time, which after the movie we're all like, hey, yeah, you didn't guess that he was, you know, the dad or whatever. I, I would say, I mean, I like, the, I like Michael Keaton in this movie. I like Michael Keaton in general. Uh I guess my favorite scenes with him are the ones where he's not really the vulture. I, I just like getting pure Michael Keaton, just like, you know, the scene in the car with Peter and talking to him, you know, hey, buddy, you know, we got an issue here and I'm just going to address it to you and I'm going to talk to you like I'm a dad talking to a kid, you know, and it's like, I just love that aspect. I think he made the character. I mean, the vulture, you know, when he's flying around and doing whatever. Yeah, that's fine. It's a bad guy. But. Michael Keaton, class act. Michael Keaton is a fantastic bad guy. Like, he is able to turn on this villainous glint in his eye. Like, like when he's like, does that work? And he points it at the guy and shoots him. He doesn't even know what it is, really. He thinks he knows what it is, quote unquote, you know. Uh, and he just vaporizes him into dust. I mean, yeah, he was fantastic. Um, the thing that kind of bothered me about him was he did that whole cliched well i've been stuck it to the man so now i'm gonna stick it to the man and i'm like you're not a blue collar worker dude you you live in like upper middle class you know queens in a really swank house you're not that guy you know you're claiming to be you're just a poser pretending to be like i'm a oh i'm a blue collar worker who got you know well, maybe he yeah, was uh, that maybe. guy. I don't, in the beginning we, of the, I think then, it was in the beginning of the film, yeah. he was just some construction guy. And then it was him selling all those weapons that allowed him to kind of get that possibly. Life, kind of get that lifestyle. Uh, right. It, it, possibly. Yeah. But I, they never show that to us. They, they tell it to us that he's, you know, anyway. Right. Well, I mean, he is the Batman. And the Batman's well, after Spider-Man. Yeah. So <laughs> Which... Did you catch the? There's a very quick Batman reference. Um, Vulture fly drops Peter, and there's a shot of Vulture against the moon, and it's the Batman signal. Oh, no. It's awesome. It's very quick. So oh, if, if you do happen that. to watch it again, look for that moment. It's very funny. Um, I was like, hey, Batman. Um, the other part is like, what the heck is Department of Damage Control, and why is Tyne Daly wasted as this character? Like, She's a great actress, and like they give her three lines in the movie. I was very surprised to see this in the in the show notes, Matthew. You know, being a, a fairly big comic book guy, this 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 department, the damage control has been a thing for forever. I mean, for now I I'm already I'm on the record. I don't read a ton of Marvel comics. Uh, yeah. I I read I've read Cap. I've read some Cap, but I haven't spent a lot of time in the Marvel universe. So. This isn't yeah, something so, that I'm aware of. It, yeah, it, it actually, I think it had its own limited run at some point. Ah, okay, um, okay. So this is actually a, a big thing. And I, I believe there were several stalled attempts at getting a television show done. Ah, um, okay, okay. It hasn't panned out for whatever. Yeah, like, none kind of the like, Marvel shows have panned out. So, I mean, when... Well, except for Netflix, I'd say, I would argue. Well, no, I mean on network television. Sorry. Oh, Netflix yeah, sure, is sure. its own thing. I, yeah. I know, count Netflix, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's, it is this thing that does exist in the universe that literally just cleans up after all these ginormous gotcha. battles. Um, and, uh, I think it's generally portrayed as fun and mm -hmm. campy and, and silly and, okay. uh, it's just these blue collar people that go to work and clean up all these. That kind of reminds me of what they were going to do with the, um, 
the DC show that was on TV, Powerless, but then oh, they kind of yeah. switched it. Yeah, that seems like yeah. the same kind of like, but yeah, that okay, that makes total sense. Um, the only other thing that kind of annoyed me really big about this movie is the plot hole about the timeline, uh, because they do the whole like eight years later, but like that would make this twenty twenty in this universe, uh, because and so yeah, they they kind of screw themselves with like the timeline of everything, like when things take place. So why do you think they threw it so know. far ahead? I don't. I don't know. Maybe because the one. Maybe I uh, yeah. Well, yeah. It doesn't, doesn't make, make a lot of sense. So it's not a big deal. It was just one of those like minutia things that stupid geeks like us get like totally our panties in a wad. That would mean yeah. Civil War is like that far yeah. ahead My, too. Yeah, roughly. I didn't. It, it was so weird too because like I didn't even like when they flashed eight years later. I just thought, oh my gosh, has it been eight years since? Avengers like I didn't like actually do the math in my head because I was just watching the movie I was just going mm-hmm. along with it so I'm like oh wow it's been eight years since Avengers that's just what I assumed but yeah it's weird that it's really strange that that, that would be put in there I, I hope I'm sure maybe they'll explain it to us at some point who knows yeah hopefully they'll retcon it somewhere so um yeah anyway I'll, I'm interested to see what you guys come up with with uh r- with ratings for this one so uh yeah let us have it, Daniel what Spider-Man Homecoming what you got all right well I love Spider-Man and I love the MCU. And so you this love is, Iron Man. And I love Iron Man. Oh my goodness! It's like it's it's, it's, it's like your like, favorite threesome. It's <laughs> uh, it's almost like this was tailor made for me. It's not. It's a, you know it wasn't perfect certainly, but it was a lot of fun. And it's um, we've been kind of doing doing these darker, grittier movies in the MCU lately. It hasn't been since probably Ant Man that I had this this amount of unexpected fun uh, in a Marvel movie. So that, that was exciting. That is just so lighthearted. I guess well, Guardians, I guess. Uh, Guardians as well. But um, I, I really enjoyed the film. Um, I don't think it's perfect. And, it, and it, it's not it's not top-tier Marvel either. Um, uh, so it's, for me, it, it sits at a really good, great, a, a good watch, uh, a lot of fun, not perfect, some minor issues, but uh, I'm very excited about Spider-Man. I was so excited to see him on the screen. This is the closest version to the Spider-Man that I love, um, and I hope that that will only continue to get better and better, and uh, and I'm so excited just to see him in this universe. That that was the biggest thrill for me, to see him here, Just as, and then, of course, we're going to see him pretty soon here in, in Infinity War, so I'm very, very excited about that. He's such a big, important part of the Marvel Universe. It always felt like there was something missing with him not there. And so, but to this film specifically, I really enjoyed the the younger take on it. I liked that it was a high school movie that we're dealing with. Uh, it's not like any other Marvel movie in that in that sense, in, in the, that everybody is, you know, established and super awesome and super heroic and... and you know, it's it's the younger six, 15 year old kid, and he's just trying to figure this stuff out, and he doesn't have all the answers. So um, I don't know. If I had to rate it, I guess I would give it like four out of five instant kill modes. What, what is with the instant kill mode? <laughs> I don't want to kill anybody. What about you, Bruce? I don't know if this is my favorite Spider-Man movie, but it's up there. Uh, Spider-Man Two was always my favorite one. Uh, so I have to compare the two side by side at some point. But I, what I liked about this movie that it was a lot of fun. I did like it taking place in high school. 
it's you know it is the john hughes spider-man home alone story so it's it's kind of it i I liked it it was fun it was it was very witty i loved the the portrayal of spider-man the actor who played him it was just a good fun spider-man movie i enjoyed the story the performances the whole shebang maybe didn't have the weight we were discussing earlier but i think it has some weight to it but maybe not as heavy but i think that's what i liked about it so i would say i give it almost a full box of uncle ben rice (laughs) the non-existent uncle ben um well that uncle ben exists in any universe that well let's hope so because that's some dang good rice um you know what you guys are both absolutely right in pointing out that this is a cute movie I mean, it's just really cute, and it's fun, and it legitimately is a John Hughes superhero film, Um, and there's nothing wrong with that in the same way that that Captain America the Winter Soldier wasn't afraid to be a, you know, kind of gritty 1970s uh, espionage type film, you know? I think that's great. Uh, I do think that the movie suffers from a fear of the previous iterations of Spider-Man. And and I feel like they are legitimately afraid to touch anything that has anything to do with what I would consider the core of what who Spider-Man is and why he is as a character. And I, I do think that that hurts the movie. Uh, and I also think that it hurts the character Spider-Man, and I think it hurts their willingness to touch anything that has anything to do with Spider-Man that's been done in the previous films. Um, and I think that's too bad because I feel like Marvel had the opportunity to say, you guys screw the pooch so many times. Let us show you how it's really done. Uh, and they just, they won't do that. And that's too bad. Um, I don't, for all my criticism of the movie, I didn't hate the movie at all. Um, I'm with you, Daniel. It's, it's, it's good. I think I don't think it's great. I think it sits in the middle of the Marvel films. I mean, legitimately, I'm always looking at my list. It's pretty much right in the middle, uh, and there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I, I'd say this is two and a half to three out of five lost Aunt May scenes. So you know, uh, it's it's right there. It's 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 maybe average above average for me. So, um, and, uh, but I, I mean, you know, hopefully they will take this success. This has been great at the box office already, and they'll be emboldened to really dig into some of the Spider-Man mythology, maybe that we've never really seen on screen and bring that to us. That would be awesome. Uh, because I think he could be, and, and as we talked about, Tom Holland deserves it because he's the best Peter Parker and the best Spider-Man there is. Um, when it comes to Spider-Man movies, I'm with you, Bruce. I still think of uh, Spider-Man 2 as being the best. I do need to go rewatch that one now to see if it holds up. So we'll see. Uh, maybe we'll do that on the show sometime. So, But uh, God, God, great show, guys. This is so much fun. I love when we have different opinions and we're all just kind of banging back and forth about the thing. And I, I think we had a great discussion about the film. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Let us know what you thought uh, on Twitter or uh, Facebook or you know any of the places that you could find us. Uh, really appreciate the fact that we do this uh, and get to do this because our associate producers through Patreon. We got Ken Tripp and Davis Grayson, wonderful gentlemen who've been sponsoring us through Patreon for so many years. 
Uh, it's a huge enterprise to put this together, the Trek FM network, and there's no way that we as the hosts can do this alone. We need your help. So uh, go over to patreon.com slash trekfm. See how every little bit that you could give each month can help make sure all of the podcasts that we do here keep coming to you each and every week. Um, there's there's a lot happening here. Uh, and so I hope that you will uh, you know check it out. And um, I really uh, am excited for what we have coming next here on Trek FM. There's so much happening. So again, that's patreon.com slash trekfm. Now, Daniel, uh, when you're not, uh, you know, in the theater, loving Spider-Man and Iron Man, wishing you, you know, one was on either side of you and maybe you were wearing a suit with Karen, uh, where can we find you? Ah, well, uh, you can find me all over the place on the internet. On Twitter, you can find me at 1UpDan. That's the number one, not the word. I have an Xbox podcast, if you're interested in that, called Zed to Zed. Check it out. Uh, as well as I'm uh, with you on the nerd party over there in SETI Alpha 3. So uh, you can find me all over. And Bruce, when you're not wishing that uh, you could get one of those fantastic subs there in Queens, where can we find you? Oh my gosh, I really would want one of those. I know, who wouldn't? I know, I'm craving it right now. So you can find me on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. You can find me here on Trek FM on Literary Treks with Dan Gunther, where we discuss Star Trek books and comics. And you can find me on the Star Wars Report as producer and occasional, lots of times, maybe all the time, co-host of Star Wars Report. And you can go to the StarWarsReport.com site to find that there. And I'm always in the Babel Conference. Awesome. Well, you can find me on Twitter at MattRushing02. You can also find me uh, here on the network doing The Orb with Chris Jones. We're talking about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. I am also on the Nerd Party Network uh, hanging out with uh, all the guys over there at City Alpha 3. Uh, I haven't been on the show, but, I mean, we hang out at the Nerd Party because um, it's a party. That's what you do. Uh, you, I'm doing aggressive negotiations with John Mills. Uh, I hope you'll check that out. In fact, we uh, just recorded a very special episode after our trip to Skywalker Ranch. Uh, and so make sure that you check that out. Uh, you can also find me doing Owlpost, which is a Harry Potter podcast. Andrea Kaufman and I are walking through each and every chapter of the book series. And it's been a blast so far. We're uh, right in the middle at this point of uh, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. So make sure you check that out. Uh, and... I'm doing one more show, uh, which is called Cinema Stories, and that is looking at film through the lens of faith. And uh, you can find that and all of the other podcasts wherever you get your podcasts, on Apple Podcasts or any podcatcher. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and y'all come back now, you hear? (laughs) 